Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. And we'll read um, four verses. First of all, verse 10. Behold, this is Jesus speaking, I am coming soon. Words of the prophecy in this book. Verse 12. Behold, says Jesus, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. That was our um, title tonight. It's the Lord himself promising. The very one that we worship, that we sing to. I mean, it's easy to sing songs and to read scriptures and to really lose the sense of it being personally about somebody uh, who's there, who's real, who's listening. And he says, I'm going to come. If you're still alive, you will be in that uh, extraordinary generation when the Lord himself comes. These last verses of Revelation are saying almost the same as the opening verses. Can you turn back to the first chapter? It's an astonishing promise that gives meaning and direction to the whole of history. When men have tried every system of government that they can think of. And when they've done some of their most evil things. Then the king of the ages, the king of all creation will come. The book began, written as you know by that man in the salt mines on Patmos. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him. To show his servants what must soon take place. And in the middle of verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him, Jesus, be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look. And then a quotation, he's coming with the clouds. Martin read us that reminder that Jesus gave. Look, he's coming, he's coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was. And we might think whoever more shall be. But no, that's not the way it is in Revelation. Who is to come? We need frequent reminders of this, don't we? We, we just forget. It's extraordinary. We forget how personal 
our salvation is and that he will actually come. There are 300 references to the coming, future coming of Christ in the New Testament. That means once every 15 verses. The Holy Spirit won't let us go 15 verses without reminding us that Jesus is coming back and his reward is with him. Now, we're coming up to Christmas and um, we will again let our minds go over the story of the wonder of his first coming as a baby, that quiet coming into Bethlehem. And it's good, I think, to be reminded just before Christmas, just a week or two before, of, of the really big coming which is yet to come, which is waiting behind. This will be utterly unlike Bethlehem. This will not be um, through a human birth in a dirty old stable, visible to, you know, a, a few animals, a couple of cows and a camel and, and, and poor Joseph wondering what to do. Every single eye. Think of all those Sainsbury's checkout cashiers. Think of those people doing MOTs on your car. Think of the people you have to work with tomorrow. Think of the people that you've talked with or preached to or, or suffered under in the last week. <laughs> Every single eye, the scoffers, the mockers, the people who in recent weeks have stuffed burning gospels in Salford University back under the doors of the Christians who've taken them out to them. The people who've walked around the meetings where I was uh, preaching um, in Belgium, shouting their heads off to try and drown out the not Every single eye will see him. It's going to be a remarkable thing, isn't it? I sometimes feel nowadays the basic man in Britain doesn't know the difference between Jesus and the jelly baby. It is, it is astonishingly ignorant. And no wonder, true, what Martin's read to us, that people will be terrified. They will be apprehensive at what is coming upon them. This is a promise which splits the human race right down the middle. Every single eye will, will see him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, and for a few verses, it comes just before 2 Thessalonians if you're having problems finding it. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. We've just been singing in our uh, last song, come down. The Lord himself will. He will come down from heaven. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. I mean, the first thing we can say about that coming, unlike Bethlehem, is it's going to be very noisy. There will be massive din. The voice of the archangel. Can you imagine a more commanding voice? And Revelation speaks of some very big angels. Angels come in different sizes, you know. And there are some very big angels mentioned in Revelation. And the archangel will speak, there will be a loud command, and the trumpet call of God. Enough to split an eardrum or two. It will be noisy. Secondly, it will be final. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Meet him. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words the purpose of that. You've done it in your early thinking as if you didn't need a lot of encouragement, but 
What about Tuesday? You may. Now, brothers, about times and dates we don't need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying, Master, etc. We've got ourselves a gap deal, or whatever it may be. While they're saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. It will be noisy, it will be final, and it will be sudden. And Jesus comes. There will be meals half eaten. There will be weddings half prepared. There will be essays half written. There will be all kinds of things half done. There may well be breaking of bread meetings halfway through. Wouldn't that be just fantastic? As you reach your hand out for the plate, the trumpet goes. Don't touch it. That's it, finished. We're off for the real one, of which this is just a feeble but God-ordained picture. Put the plate down and get ready to go. What would you like to be doing? Have you thought about that? When the Lord comes, in his noisy, final, sudden, utterly unlike Bethlehem way on the second coming, what would you like to be found doing? You're going to talk tonight. Um, I'm going to get you going in some discussion in a minute and break you up into small groups. And, and, so, um, and then we're going to get some feedback. Uh, is there anything that you would like to be doing? Have you thought about it ever? Hill, what would you like to be doing? Hugging them when the Lord comes. I, I'm looking at the look on the face of one of them right now. <laughs> she looks as if she'd like to be hugging someone else, but I don't know. Anything else would you like to be doing? What you thought about? Andrew. Scoring a try. You have such romantic notions, don't you, folks? Peter? The Lord would come and, and you'd almost feel like, hang, hang on a minute, he's, he's, he's nearly there. To be talking to someone, that really would be a, a tremendous visual aid of what you're trying to explain, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, that's where I am. I'd either like to be reading this book or trying to explain the gospel to somebody. Yes. Well, and what I'm going to ask you to do now is to break into small groups. Twos and threes, however it's convenient. Uh, your, your row, if there's three of you. And I want you to talk together for a few minutes, and then we're going to take some feedback of um, what the coming, the future coming, the great second coming, as, uh, as we call it sometimes, of Jesus, actually means to you. What are the things that, that you, know, you, you look forward to in it? What does it mean? And then I want different ones of you, 
Not to say what you said in the group, but to say what uh, someone else said in the group that really struck you. Now you can break into twos, threes, whatever's convenient, but little small groups and talk together for a few minutes. And then Jane is going to write down some of the things that, that you said about what it really means to you. Because as we go on into our time of, of singing and praise and worship and meditation tonight, we want to pick up on some of these things and, and reflect them back in praise to God. So now, children, get on with your discussion. Now, I'm sure um, we've got all kinds of very interesting human reflections on things. I, I heard one or two odd remarks around the place. Um, now, Jane's going to write down some of the things that uh, you folks say. Now, what is it about what other people said in your group that struck you? What does this expected return mean to you? How does it excite you? How does it? Who's going to tell me about what someone else said? He will wipe away every tear. This is the same chapter, verse 4. He will wipe away. That takes astonishing steadiness of hand, doesn't it? To wipe away other people's tears. We rarely let anybody else do that for us. He will do it. We will see him. Face to face. As he is, yes, those wounds yet visible above, in beauty glorified, we will see him. We'll be like him. Indeed. And he who has this hope in him, says 1 John 3, 3, purifies himself. We will be like him, what there is of us. Now that's a very interesting idea. I don't believe that we will all be identically like little sort of, you know, what, Lego men or something. A child, I, I uh, had the great pleasure today of having lunch with a mum and a dad and a child. The father has come tonight. Very interesting to, to watch the son of the father growing up. I'm not looking at him, although he has suddenly looked up towards me <laughs> and put his head down now. <laughs> Now, a child is like his father. An 11-year-old is like his father. A 22-year-old is like his father. But there's more to him. And as we grow up as a believer, we become more like the Lord Jesus. We shall all be like him. Yes, what else? Disability is gone. Joni is looking forward to dancing. Do you ever hear one of Joni's songs? How the, she pictures the Lord coming over and, and um, at the great sort of um, banquet. She imagines it as a, as a sort of dinner dance, basically, in heaven. The Lord coming over and saying to Joni, who's had all these years in a wheelchair, shall we dance? It brings tears to your eyes when you think about it. Yes, disability is gone. Mm -hmm. What else? Very interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> the Welsh and the Africans singing. 
Yeah. <laughs> the Swiss, what? Making chocolate and cleaning everybody's um, <laughs> faces up. Yeah, yeah. Very fascinating, aren't it? To be able to meet one's own ancestors. To meet the people who have prayed for us. And to thank them. And to join the queue to, to talk to some of the great heroes of the faith. I, I've almost given up hope of ever getting near Abraham, but I, I've got one or two questions to ask Sarah. I think the queue may be shorter. But uh, she's going to be very interesting to talk to. Yeah. These things, the second coming means to us. Yes, what else? The scriptures speak very clearly of, of that, and it's important not to miss it. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 31. The second coming of Christ will mean separation. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, even that is fantastic, not one angel left back in heaven, you know, to guard it. They'll all come. He will sit on his throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, and so on. There will be separation, yes. In fact, we can develop that idea further. There will be judgment. There will be an end to evil. There will be an end to child abuse. There will be an end to the exploitation of the poor. To lies and cheating in business. To cruelty and heartlessness. There will be judgment. I wonder, does that excite you? you know, as we go on in life, I want to become, in my own heart, as compassionate as, as I want to be, I still want to have something of that spirit that in Psalm 96 we get uh, when it speaks of the trees of the field clapping their hands. And do you know why? Psalm 96, verse 10. Say, among the nations the Lord reigns, the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity, with utter fairness. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it, the fish, the squid, the prawns, the crabs. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing, all of them, before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. Creation itself, that has been groaning all these years, according to scripture, will itself break out into singing, because finally the judge is coming. That is not how we normally think. He will judge the world in righteousness, and the peoples in his truth. Astonishing, isn't it? 
creation itself desperate to be restored to its glory so that even the trees of the field will clap their hands. Can you imagine the branches swishing together because the Lord has finally come. But he's come to deal with evil. Jesus was manifested in order to destroy the works of the devil. They are not yet finally and utterly destroyed. Death, for instance, the last great enemy, is still in existence. But one day he will have put down all his enemies under his footstool. That's an astonishing thing, isn't it? The feet, crucified feet of Jesus, those wounds still there, will one day stand even or rest easily even on death itself. Mm -hmm. Judgment. Anything else? As you look forward? The choir can have no end to its practices. <laughs> And the energy remains. You know, by half past nine at night, you feel, I just want to go home. I wish I wish we could stop it. That is going to be finished. Yeah. Rest. Some people look forward to rest. That's one of the things I wrote down. Rest. I don't have to preach any more sermons. <laughs> you ought to be rejoicing in the same thing. Yes? Welcome and affirmation and value amongst the people who have not felt it. Yeah. Yes. Sorry? For many, it means hope, doesn't it? Hope when there's so much despair. I read this of J.B. Phillips recently. In the pagan mind, to take a man's life was to take his all. But to attack Christians by sword, torture, or the atrocities of the arena was to invite defeat. Even if you killed them, they slipped through your fingers to be with their Lord forever. I like that. And that there's, a, there's a goal we're going forward to. The final, if you like, proving of the things as yet not seen. Yes. Yeah. When faith will give way to sight. Yes. Anything else? There's one last thing that is in my mind. As I was thinking about all this tonight, came home to me perhaps more strongly than anything, and nobody's yet mentioned it. Permanence? Mm-hmm. Paul meeting Creskin and Titus, whom he had sent away and they had to go to get on with the job, but being restored, the work over, the team back together, that kind of thing. People who mean something to me. Yes. Yeah. A number of crowns even. There's, there was the crown mentioned this morning that all who love his appearing will receive from the Lord. Yes, there's a crown of life. Hmm. And yet, you know, one of the best things surely to look forward to, out of all that we've said, and actually, 
actually of a different category, is God's own satisfaction. All the things that we've rejoiced at are great and real and true, but there's going to be a dimension of God himself being so pleased. In Hebrews um, 2, where the writer of that letter has been urging them to keep running, run well, throw off everything that hinders you in your race. Verse 2 of Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who started and completes our faith, the author and perfecter of it, who for the joy set before him. Can you imagine the, the smile, the delight, the sparkle in the eyes, the deep joy manifested in Jesus himself, which he shares with the Father, as he sees now all his entire family gathered in. Many of them will have been martyrs, faithful to the last, faithful even unto death. Many will have suffered in other ways. Many will have just been faithful and anonymous. Faithful and anonymous for decades. And they're all there. And the Lord will look back to the agony of the cross and say it was all worth it. Isaiah 53 verse 11 says in the older translations, he will look on the travail of his soul and be satisfied. It is God who is going to be so thrilled and pleased. That must also move our hearts. And as we sit around this table, we want to say, don't we? We want to sing. Lord, you know, be pleased. Lord, we want you to be full of joy. We want to, to go together towards that day. How should we live in the light of the second coming? Watching and waiting every day, as we were thinking a little bit this morning. Yeah. So do I. This is a view that has been held by many, many Christians very sincerely for many centuries. Uh, it is one I share. Some take a different view. I'll meet them up there and we'll compare notes. <laughs> I want them to be as confident in their view as the scriptures lead them to be. Yeah. Can we um, just have a look at a fascinating little passage that underlines what Sylvie has said from Luke 12. Luke 12.35 Be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants 
whose master finds them watching when he comes? I tell you the truth, said Jesus. This is, this is mind-blowing. I tell you the truth, said the Lord Jesus. He will dress himself to serve. Will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. You know, at that point, Jesus has moved out of the illustration and into a, a very unmistakable prophetic declaration. Jesus himself intends to wait at the table where his own servants sit. What a reversal. Our situation is that we live in darkness, according to this. There has been apparent delay the master is not yet back and not yet back and we don't know when he will come back and it's the middle of the night. If we were to read on, we haven't got time. There's danger of thieves breaking in. Someone else wants to get into the house and steal the things that are yours and you should guard. And we are to be dressed ready, as Sylvie says, and keep your lamps burning. Yeah. Watchful. How else should we be? We should be working at the at our moral and spiritual growth moral mental moral and spiritual growth uh, at, at the end of Romans 13 verse 11 do all this loving your neighbor and loving the tax man and so on that Jesus has just been talking I mean so Paul has just been talking about do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You're nearer the end tonight than you were this morning when you got out of bed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on, a very interesting phrase again, the armor, the protection of light. Walking in the light, keeping your mind pure, is actually protection against the deeds of darkness. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. So be on your guard, clean up, and the third and last thing, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, that's how we should be waiting. Mark 13, verse 10 says that the gospel must be preached to the entire world and then the end will come. We actually play our part in bringing about this thing that we're thinking about tonight. Through our obedient evangelization of those that we meet and talk with. Watch out. Clean up. Preach the gospel. This could be the last time we do this, you know. I often think about that, you know. Sometimes wish it would be. The last time. The last time you put anything in the bag. The last time you take your little bit of bread in token of your faith in the Lord Jesus, in his death for you, and the great feast that is coming. Last time you take a sip of this wine and say, Lord, you died for me. I don't deserve it. Never did. But I take this with tremendous gratitude that you should do that for me. Could be the last time. 
And then the noisy event takes place. And we go away to be with the Lord. And we find he fulfills a number of these little things. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thank you for joining us today. The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.